December 8th is the 342nd day of the year, and December 8th, 2023 is the 8,742nd day since the end of the 1900s. So much has happened during all of this time, and there's so much left to happen as humanity itself continues to unfold. There are an infinite number of details that matter to each of us, and Charlottesville Community Engagement seeks to help people understand a little more about the interactions in local government. I'm Sean Tubbs, still mind-boggled by the ebbs and flows of time. In this particular edition, both Albemarle and Charlottesville have announced they will begin enforcing laws against SEAL games on January 1st, 2024. Albemarle County appoints a chief financial officer from within its ranks, and two other top officials join the administration. Charlottesville's Planning Commission gets a look at the five-year capital improvement plan for the city and a quick review of open and recently awarded procurement activities in Charlottesville. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Charlottesville Band will close its 101st season at the Paramount Theater in downtown Charlottesville with their annual holiday celebration concert on Sunday, December 10th at 3.30 p.m. The free, family-oriented program will feature traditional holiday favorites, a sing-along, vocalist Martha McKechnie, and a visit from Santa, and maybe, just maybe, the first snowfall of the season. As always, the Charlottesville Band will be collecting canned goods, non-perishable food items, personal care products, coffee, and tea for the Emergency Food Network. Bring your entire family and celebrate the end of the year with the Charlottesville Band on December 10th. Learn more at seavilleband.org. The legal limbo in Virginia over devices known colloquially as skill games is over, and localities across the Commonwealth are beginning to crack down. Legislation passed the General Assembly in 2020 to define the video-based games as illegal gambling devices, but an injunction was filed in Emporia Circuit Court that called enforcement into question. In October, the Virginia Supreme Court upheld the General Assembly's laws. Since then, the devices have become commonplace in convenience stores across the region, but Commonwealth's attorney's offices in both Albemarle and Charlottesville indicated today their days are number. Here's a section from Albemarle's press release. Enforcement of relevant provisions of law related to skill games will begin in the city of Charlottesville and the county of Albemarle on January 1, 2024. Civil penalties include, but are not limited to, seizure of the gambling device and a fine in the amount of $25,000. Criminal penalties include, but are not limited to, confinement in jail for up to 12 months and or a fine of up to $2,500. Already at least one convenience store on Cherry Avenue has unplugged the machines. In the newsletter, there's a link to a CBS 19 article about how some of these stores are concerned about their lost revenues. There are several new people in key positions in Albemarle County, and three of them got a mention at the Board of Supervisors meeting this week. Supervisors did not have to look very far to find someone to be responsible for the county's ever-growing finances. 
Supervisor Jim Andrews made this announcement after a closed session on December 6th. But the first voice you'll hear is Supervisor Chair Donna Price. And we will now move to Vice Chair Andrews. Do we have any motions coming out of the closed meeting? We do. Uh, it's my pleasure uh, to move the adoption of a resolution appointing Jacob Sumner as the Director of Finance, Chief Financial Officer. Sumner has been serving in the position on an interim basis since May, when Nelsie Birch left Albemarle's government to enter the private sector. Sumner had been in the position of Assistant Chief Financial Officer for Policy and Partnerships. Before that, Sumner had been Director of Finance and Management Services in Hanover County. On Wednesday, he thanked the board for the appointment. Uh, I truly am humbled and honored to continue my service with the county um, to our to the, our, our community, uh, part of the community, uh, my service uh, to you all for the board, uh, the partnership with the county executive and the county executive office and the executive team. Um, I'm super excited to continue the work with uh, the departments and the whole department team and our organizational leadership team. One major item underway during Sumner's time in the position has been Albemarle's purchase of 462 acres of land near the Rivanna Station for $58 million. That has required the securing of short-term financing for the county. The deal has not yet closed according to the county's property records. You can learn more about the Rivanna Futures project on the county's website. Here's Supervisor Ned Galloway. I cannot recall a time where an interim has done things beyond just keeping things stabilized, but actually moving things forward for the organization. Earlier in the day, Sumner led the discussion with the Albemarle School Board about their request for fiscal year 25. I hope to write up that conversation in detail as soon as I can. On Wednesday, supervisors were formally introduced to Barry Albright, the county's new economic development director. Obviously, I'm pretty excited about starting this position because I showed up two weeks early. (laughs) Albright was previously the CEO of the Central Arizona Economic Development Foundation. He had originally been expected to start on December 18th, but supervisors adopted a resolution on Wednesday, moving that up to December 4th. Albright will be responsible for overseeing the update of Project Enable, the county's economic development strategic plan. He said that was one reason he took the job. And I'm more than excited about my study in in implementing the Project Enable that you have done an incredible job. Rarely do you see the community engagement in the uh, illustrated in a strategic plan like Project Enable. Have you taken a look at the plan? There's a link in the newsletter if you haven't. The third new top official is Ann E. Wall, who has been the deputy county executive since Monday. Her appointment was announced in September, and she replaces Doug Walker, who retired earlier this year. I am delighted to be here tonight, and I am delighted to be in Albemarle County. Just a little bit about myself. I grew up in Virginia. I um, have served uh, many years in local government, primarily in North Carolina, where I had various roles um, in organizations and various roles in cities across North Carolina. Wall's last position was as city manager of Greenville, North Carolina. That's the home of East Carolina University. You're listening.
listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. All year long, WTJU Classical provides Charlottesville with a serene and inspiring musical oasis. The radio station now needs your support to help keep this classical community vibrant and thriving. You can tune in now through December 10th for WTJU's 2023 Classical Marathon. It's a round-the-clock celebration of classical music, specially programmed for your listening pleasure. Their classical celebration also features a tremendous lineup of guest hosts from Charlottesville's classical community, including Ben Rue from Charlottesville Symphony, Michael Sloan from University Singers and Oratorio Society, Miriam Gordon-Stewart from Victory Hall Opera, I. Jen Fang from UVA Music, Fiona Hughes from Three Notched Road, and Leanne Clement of Charlottesville Opera. Longtime WTJU host Michael Latsko has returned for a special musical mashup. And if you've missed any of these programs, you can very easily go back and listen to them, a link in the newsletter. And while you're doing so, please consider a gift today to keep WTJU going at WTJU.net. Two more somewhat related segments to go today. There are still many more months to go before Charlottesville City Council adopts a budget for fiscal year 2025. One major step each year is the introduction of the Capital Improvement Program budget to the Planning Commission, which frequently takes place the last week of November. This year, that took place on November 28th, and the work session was an opportunity for commissioners to ask questions about the budget. This will be the first budget for City Manager Sam Sanders. There are a great number of priorities, as you all well know. Uh, Council having adopted uh, their strategic outcome areas in September, identifying nine areas and a commitment to JEDI, therefore 10, um, and how to balance all those things. Sanders said room has been freed up in the capital budget to make room for new items to be added. Some of you may be new to this sort of thing, so let's recap what a capital budget does. Chrissy Hamill is the city's director of budget and performance management. The capital budget is a multi-year plan. We do a five-year plan and it forecasts spending and revenues for all anticipated capital projects. Hamill said there are talks about creating an informal 10-year plan to better guide future investments. That's one thing that will be discussed with council this budget cycle. Hamill said the capital budget also takes direction from the comprehensive plan. Capital budgets can have appropriations that carry over from year to year while projects move from planning to construction. So basically a well-planned CIP ensures that major expenditures are uh, aligned with community expectations, the anticipated growth, all while making sure that it also um, remains within our financial capabilities. In recent years, council had been constrained by an approaching debt limit, but Hamill said that is not the case at the moment. In the last few years, as you know, we've um, continued to have a very strong recovery from uh, COVID as well as a very strong real estate market, which has um, contributed to the growth of our general fund budget, making our capacity not so much the issue as affordability. That refers to the city's ability to pay back bonds through debt service. Interest rates are kept low by the AAA bond rating. Hamill went through the proposed budget, and here are some of the highlights. Charlottesville is contributing funds to Albemarle County's project to build a joint general district court to serve both communities. 
A new hearing room has been added to the scope of the project, and the city's projected share in fiscal year 25 is $410,000, with another $201,838 in fiscal year 26 programmed for furniture for the new space. The city's share is $1.788 million for a new bailing facility to assist the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority with paper recycling. An engineering study for this purpose was conducted in the fall of 2021, as I wrote about at the time. There's $1 million set aside each year for climate action initiatives, and City Manager Sanders said projects have not yet been identified. This funding may be used for local matches for external grants. There is $100,000 set aside in fiscal year 26 for the repurposing of the existing US-250 bypass fire station, which will not be demolished when the new one is built. There is over $4.2 million in fiscal year 25 for the upgrade of Stribling Avenue to have a sidewalk and curb and gutter. Interim Deputy City Manager Stephen Hicks said a consultant has been hired to help the city come up with a pathway toward building the pathway, which may be constructed on alternating sides of Stribling Avenue. More information will be available in February or March. There's an additional three-quarters of a million dollars in city-required funding for the Fontaine Area Streetscape. This is to cover costs that the Virginia Department of Transportation has indicated they will not pay. City Manager Sam Sanders said he would add an item to his work plan to have a published sidewalk priority list by the end of the fiscal year. The Dogwood Vietnam Memorial has secured a $600,000 state grant for a safer connection to the facility into McIntyre Park. More on that as the development of the budget continues. And there is $2 million toward replacing the irrigation system at Meadow Creek Golf Course, whose debt service will be paid for through revenues from the city's golf fund. In other words, eliminating this expenditure would not free up $2 million for use elsewhere. Commissioners were also briefed on affordable housing projects in the Capital Improvement Program. Commissioner Kareem Habab sought to recuse himself given that his work for local firm BRW Architects includes design services provided for Piedmont Housing Alliance. Commissioner Chair Hosea Mitchell asked if this was necessary. Did you about legal? Um, they did not respond with like a formal statement I should make, so... James Fries, the Director of Neighborhood Development Services, said he could not offer an opinion on the matter. Architect Carl Schwartz said he's also been contracted to do a mock-up for one of the affordable housing projects, but said he felt he could still discuss the work as a planning commissioner because they were not voting on anything at the work session. On this topic, Sanders said there would be a legal opinion in time for the public hearing in January. The big project added is $15 million for Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority over three years for the redevelopment of West Haven, or about 10% of that project's total cost. City Council got a small preview at a work session in October, as I wrote about at the time. CRHA is also slated to receive $3 million in fiscal year 25 and $3 million in fiscal year 26 for redevelopment as well as $900,000 a year to help fund supplemental housing vouchers. This latter fund has been used recently to allow CRHA to purchase single-family homes across the city. Sanders mentioned during the work session that CRHA has requested a specific line item that will allow it to acquire more property in the future. 
Piedmont Housing Alliance has withdrawn a request for additional funding for the second phase of Kindlewood. But there is $500,000 slated in fiscal year 25 for infrastructure improvements for what had been known as Friendship Court. There is additional funding in future years for Phase 3 and Phase 4 of Kindlewood. The Piedmont Housing Alliance has other funds coming its way to help subsidize construction at the MACA site and at Park Street Christian Church. The project to build affordable housing at 501 Cherry Avenue is slated to receive a million dollars in fiscal year 26 and 2.15 million in fiscal year 27. Planning Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg asked if the 501 Cherry Avenue funding had gone through a competitive process. It gives me a little bit of heartburn because we we lock ourselves into it, you know, before we really are able to weigh it against potentially other applications or you know other uh, affordable housing priorities. Sanders said Piedmont Housing Alliance did submit an application through the capital investment process in 2022, which was part of reform called for in the affordable housing plan. We formalized the NOFA so that we published that in advance. There's a successive round of RFPs. Uh, one of the RFP rounds is a capital investment opportunity, no money allocated, so we're not making a commitment. Everyone applies. But what we intend for that to do is to inform the city of what are the sizable projects that may be LIHTC-oriented. Sanders said the Planning Commission's recommendation for the approval of a rezoning for the project was taken as a sign to proceed. Stolzenberg said he thought that should be a separate process. The Planning Commission will have a public hearing on the Capital Improvement Program at their meeting on January 9th. Any feedback may be taken into consideration as Sanders crafts the final budget to be presented to Council in early March. Council will adopt the entire budget, the operating and capital sides of the budget, in April. Finally today, now that we have a sense of the planning for the next five years of spending, let's take a look at what's already in the budget through the lens of procurement. The city is seeking construction bids for the replacement of the fire station on the U.S. Route 250 bypass. There's a link to the bid page as well as all the other information in the newsletter. RX Fire Effects LLC of Mount Crawford, Virginia has been awarded a contract for invasive vegetation control. Linko Incorporated of Waynesboro won an award to improve access to the softball field at Charlottesville High School on November 20th. The bid period closed on November 27th for a contractor to build a paved cycling trail connecting Westwood Road with McIntyre Park along Rugby Avenue passing under the Highway 250 bypass bridge. An award has not yet been made. On November 2nd, the city canceled a request for bids for a project to restore a wall at Maplewood Cemetery because all of the proposals came in over budget. A new request for bids is now open and closes on December 12th. The city received no bids for a project to build a bike trail through Washington Park connecting Madison Avenue to the parking lot. The city is replacing a fuel station on Avon Street Extended, and a new request for bids is out, and bids are due on January 17, 2024. Bids are open through December 19 for a firm to construct a new roof terrace at Johnson Elementary School. Complete Coachworks of Riverside, California has won an award to provide on-site technician services to Charlottesville Area Transit. Mori Tech LLC has been awarded a contract for SAP upgrade and implementation. I have no idea what that means. The city is taking proposals through December 19th for coaching, training, and facilitation services. 
And finally, the city is seeking proposals for a five-year contract for parking management services for the two parking garages downtown, as well as four surface lots. One of the structures is owned by the city, and the other is owned by the Charlottesville Parking Center, but both are operated by contract with the city. But it is still this year, 2023, and this is episode 612, Crawling to an End. This edition almost came out yesterday, but I made a decision to take a break, and I spent some time thanking people who have recently paid for a subscription. Uh, I'm now tuning out, and I'm going to do different things for the podcast listener, because honestly, guys, uh, you guys are not as many as the newsletter readers, but you guys really do matter to me. I know that you're out there listening. I know that your numbers are growing as we continue ahead to 613 and beyond. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. Uh, do let me know if you do get something out of the podcast version. I might end up doing fewer of them sometimes uh, as I continue to uh, see what I'm doing. Read the newsletter for more information. But honestly, guys, thank you very much. That's the end of the podcast. Uh, ting and yeah, promo code, whatever. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>